The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today, we return to our series on the book of Job, and as we move forward, we're going to take a little different approach. Beginning in chapter 15 and going down through the end of chapter 31, we're going to summarize the arguments made against Job and his answers to those arguments. We've already seen the first arguments of Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, and the rest of their attacks are basically just building upon the first round of attacks. In these attacks, we continue to see this idea that Job is a great sinner and that God is punishing him for some wicked sin that he's committed. Now, we know that Job is a sinner just like everyone else, but we also know that God has said he was living more righteously than anyone else in that day. So we can't say that these attacks on Job have to do with any particular sin he's committed. But also we're going to see, as Job begins to answer these attacks, that some of his own self-righteousness begins to slip in. Join us as we continue looking at this book that will teach us so much about the nature of God and his relationship to suffering and what the devil is doing in the world today. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Hear the blessed Savior calling me oppressed. O ye heavy laden, come to me and rest. Come no longer tarry, I alone will bear. Bring me every burden, bring me every
pray for me tonight as we go back to the book of Job. I've had a little bit of a struggle as to how to continue in this book and hopefully the Lord has helped me to find the right approach but uh, we'll just kind of follow his leading and, and if we'll do that we'll be okay. <laughs> we left off in the 14th chapter of the book of Job last time. In Job chapter 14, Job himself had been to presenting his defense and he had come down to the end of that chapter and in verses 14 and 15 he had declared probably as clearly as he ever has or anyone ever can where his hope actually lay if a man die shall he live again and then he answers his own question all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come Thou shalt call, and I will answer thee. Thou wilt have a desire to the work of thine hands. You know, last Sunday morning, uh, the Lord led me, and I believe rightly so, to preach on the resurrection. And we realize from the Scripture that the resurrection is the central teaching of Scripture. It's the central truth of Scripture. Not only the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is certainly the first and most important resurrection that occurred. But he, we're told in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that he was the first fruits uh, and we're the, we're the harvest, so to speak. You know, the first fruits simply secured the harvest. That's what the first fruit sacrifice was all about. Well, that's the Lord Jesus Christ for us. He's our first fruits, and His resurrection secured our resurrection. And now the resurrection ought to be the central truth of our lives. I think we left it Sunday morning with the idea that we ought to live every day as if the resurrection were only 30 seconds away. You know, I mentioned that I've been struggling this week, and maybe not necessarily been a bad week, but just not a greatly spiritual week. But boy, I could have changed all that <laughs> if I just remembered my own preaching. If I just remembered my own statement Sunday morning that, hey, the resurrection might be 30 seconds away. <laughs> and um, so uh, when that appointment's late or it goes longer or things don't go right, what does it matter if the Lord's coming back in 30 seconds? Well, Job was experiencing a whole lot more trouble than I am or than I ever have. But yet his hope was clearly focused in the right place. We've said before in looking at the book of Job, there's some issues with Job. Job's got some pride and self-righteousness that he's going to exhibit a little more as we go along. 
But overall, Job was the most righteous man in his day. He was living the most righteously of anybody in that part of the country. In fact, according to the Lord, there was none more righteous than Job. He wasn't righteous within himself, but he was living in a way that God was pleased with. And so none of the problems Job is experiencing are because of some sin that he had that he had committed. And yet, that's the very thing his miserable comforter friends kept telling him. Now to this point, we have now seen all three of his friends speak. We've heard them speak. They've accused Job uh, already one time each of being a secret sinner. He's you know, essentially, Job, the reason you're having these problems is you've got some unconfessed sin in your life and you need to confess it and admit it and come clean with the Lord. And if you'll just get your heart right with God, everything will be right in your life. And really, that's just a version of the prosperity gospel. You know, you just got enough faith, you know, live your best life today. <laughs> I tell you, I hadn't lived my best life yet. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I hadn't had a day where I felt like I lived my best life. But, you know, that's what they, pre you know, give a $10, you'll get 100 back. Give 100 you get the 1000 back and so forth. That's far into the scriptures. And, and by the way, I love the fact that Job is the first book written of the scriptures. And it's dealing with the very thing we deal with every day. Who, I'm not asking for a show of hands, uh, but I believe if you raised your hand, you'd be lying anyway. How many of you here don't have troubles? How many of us here don't have problems that we're struggling with? Well, Job is struggling with greater problems than I'm sure any of us have ever faced. So we've now been through one full round of attacks by Job's friends. And chapter 15 begins the second round. And it begins with Eliphaz. And that's where we're going to look tonight. But I want to take a little different approach now because, quite frankly, from here out, all the attacks are almost identical. And it's almost repetitive. And if anything, it just gets a little harsher. In fact, you're going to see that this second round of attacks is harsher than the first round. They've, they've not been helped by Job's defense of himself. They've been inflamed by it. And they get more harsh and more legalistic. But as I've said before, too, there are some truths in some of the things they say. And that's the thing about Job we have to be careful about is that these men that are wrong in their approach still have some truth that they speak. But that teaches us a great lesson, does it not? That it doesn't matter how much truth you have, if you apply it in the wrong way or with the wrong spirit, you might as well have kept your mouth shut. Paul said that, didn't he? 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not charity, I'm as a clanging brass or a tinkling cymbal. You know, I've said this before. I've had many friends lately be sick. What good would it do if you went to them and said, hey, I know you're bad off, but you ought to be worse off. <laughs> you're not even getting as much as you deserve. Well, that's what one of the friends told Job. And you know, that's true. <laughs> Is it not? I mean, if we, if we just suffered from now to the end of time, we wouldn't get as much as we deserved. But what good is that? And what kind of spirit would that be to go to somebody like that? So, so what I want to do, I want to first of all, for those of you that take notes, uh, I'm going to go through and sort of lay out which chapters deal uh, with, with which speaker and then we're just going to kind of take an overview tonight of those attacks that continue on Job up, up through the 31st chapter, that is. Because 
we have another character come on the scene named Elihu. And then we're going we're gonna to deal with Elihu. Elihu, just as a preview, he gets things a little more right. But he's still not got it all right. I think there's some things you'll see with Elihu that, that he's, he's probably spot on on a few things. But he's still got the same problem. He slides into the same problems that his friends do. So here is sort of the outline of the rest of the chapter down through chapter 31. In chapter 15, we hear Eliphaz's second attack on Job. And in chapters 16 and 17, we have Job's response to Eliphaz. In chapter 18, Bildad brings his second attack on Job. And in chapter 19, Job responds to Bildad. Then in chapter 20, Zophar comes back on the scene and he attacks Job for the second time. And in chapter 21, Job responds to him. Then in chapter 22, Eliphaz comes along for the third time. And in chapters 23 and 24, Job presents his third defense to Eliphaz. Then in chapter 25, we hear from Bildad again. We don't hear from Zophar anymore. We hear from Bildad again in chapter 25, and in chapters 26 through 31, we see Job's longest response to any of them, and it's a response to Bildad. And by the way, Bildad's attack in chapter 25 is kind of a summary, and it's just, I think, six verses long. Very short. After chapter 31, uh, I think from, from chapters 32 to 37, I believe that's right, but don't hold me to that. That's when Elihu comes on the scene, and we're not going to talk much about him tonight. After, after chapter 31, we have no more responses from Job except for a brief response in chapters 41 and 42, which is a really good response. I wish we could just fast forward and get there. Because see, in chapter 38, we find the climax of the whole book, and that's when God Almighty comes on the scene. Now, I've told you before, all of these chapters so far, from chapter 2 all the way down to chapter 37, ultimately, there's some good stuff in there, but you've got to filter it through who's talking and realize it's men speaking and not God. And so some things we have to say, you know, that may be right, but it's used wrong. And some things just aren't correct. Just some things they're just wrong about. But when you get to chapter 38, now we can rely on that. <laughs> We can rely on that. Understand, again, what I'm saying. It's not that there's anything wrong or improperly preserved or not inspired in these chapters. It's just that everything the men say isn't accurate. It's not true. They're, they're mistaken about some things, but it, it is recorded accurately. Now, I want to talk about these speeches in general. And, and what's happening here is that they were a lot nicer at first. They started out, you know, kind of being kind of soft peddling it okay but now the gloves have come off and and they're responding pretty harshly to what job is having to say and they're beginning they're focusing now more on proving job wrong than on giving job help and that's a problem we can get into if we're not careful when we're trying to help our our friends and neighbors out now there are times and i have to deal with this as pastor quite a bit uh and, and anybody who's a preacher uh brother buddy understands that brother john morgan you'll learn it <laughs> that there you got to figure out how to respond to people and some people you need to confront them sometimes you have to confront them and say hey let me just shake you you're wrong and you need to listen to me but a lot of times that's not what people need when they're in sorrow and grief and struggling sometimes they just need you to sit there and listen 
That's what would have been so much better here. But, they, but it's so easy, and I'm the world's worst at wanting to prove myself right. <laughs> you know, it's, I just want to be right. I like to be right. I want, and, you know, I hear somebody a lot of times in, in grief, people will say things that are just wrong, just totally wrong. But yet, that's not the time to correct them. Okay, that's not the time to go in there. You know, I hear people blame God for things that have happened. But, you know, I remember that I used to do that, too. (laughs) And that's not the time to say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute now. You're wrong about that. You know, that's what good is that going to do? There's no point in that. You have to pray, by the way. That's that's one of the reasons we have to stay in tune with the Holy Spirit, that the Lord will lead us and guide us that we might be able to say not just the right thing, but to say it at the right time. But these, these friends of Job, they were more focused on proving Job wrong than on giving him help. But you know, it may be, maybe we can kind of understand this because what we've seen from their whole philosophy, their entire philosophy of life was that the good don't suffer, only the wicked suffer. And, and so if Job is suffering here and it's not because he's a wicked sinner and has done some wicked things, then their whole philosophy of life is under attack. And maybe, maybe that's why they were so intent on this. You know, it's hard to avoid getting upset when your whole, when the things you believed your whole life come under attack. And these were apparently old men. They weren't young guys. They were older men. And now their whole way of belief was coming under attack. By the way, we ought to remember that as primitive Baptists more than... <laughs> More than as believers in the truth, more than anybody else, there are people out there who have their whole lives have been taught that the way to get to heaven is for them to do something. They've been brought up like that, and and that they're not they're children of God. I'm convinced there's there's multitudes of children of God in the denominational churches of this world. So be careful when we go to them, and you know it's it's easy for me. I can remember. Me and my brother, I just use that, me and him, as a good example because you tend to let down more with your family. And, uh, and you know, I can remember the, probably the only time my brother and I came to blows uh, growing up. Uh, we were in the chicken house, and, uh, and, and, and I don't remember even what we were fussing about, but I just remember that, that he was passionate about what he believed, and, and I knew exactly what would push his button. I just got up in his face and said, well, I'm right and you're wrong. I'm right and you're wrong. And before it was over with, we were fighting and had <laughs> torn up everything we had just put together in the chicken house, you know. So, uh, you know, you could do that out there in the world. We could go down to any of these churches that believe in free will and just go in there and say, well, we're right and you're wrong. <laughs> Who's going to listen to you? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. You know, that's, that's, that's important to understand that. And that's what's happening here. They, so, so maybe we should be a little bit charitable toward these men, even though it's frustrating to see what they're doing to Job. So let's, let's just talk a little bit about, first of all, the things that Eliphaz is going to, going to say and build upon what he's already said. And as I said, this is just sort of a harsher rehash of what they've already said. Uh, basically, they've been saying man is a sinner and God must punish sinners. Therefore, Job, you must be a great sinner. And that's all they could see. Eliphaz, as I said, attacks Job again in chapters 15 and 22. If you look with me to chapter 15, just notice the, the tenor of the statements. Then answered Eliphaz the Temanite and said, Should a wise man utter vain knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? <laughs> notice that he's saying here, he, he, the gloves have come off. He's not being nice to Job. No more politeness. 
He said, verse 3, Should he reason with unprofitable talk or with speeches wherewith he can do no good? In other words, Job, you're just a windbag. And I'm tired of hearing you talk. And he goes on in verses 3 and 4. Look at verse 4. Thou castest off fear and restrainest prayer before God, for thy mouth uttereth thine iniquity. And thou chooseth the tongue of the crafty. Thine own mouth condemneth thee, and not I. Yea, thine own lips testify against thee. He's going on here to say, you are just a brazen sinner. I'm, I know this because I know God. I know how God is. He wouldn't be doing this to you if you weren't such a brazen sinner. And of course, as a little aside, let's remind ourselves, God's not doing this to him. Now, we're going to talk about God raising the hedge in a minute or in, in a future message. And, and the Lord does do that. But oftentimes we think God is the one attacking us. They thought God was attacking him. And by the way, Job also, we're going to see, thinks God is attacking him. Over in chapter 22, where Eliphaz continues his attack, notice in verses 1 through 3, look here. The Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, Can a man be profitable unto God, as he that is wise may be profitable unto himself? Is it any pleasure to the Almighty that thou art righteous, or is it gain to him that thou makest thy ways perfect? Now, I believe what he's saying here is this. Job, you are so insignificant that it doesn't matter to God whether you're doing right or whether you're doing wrong. You're not going to increase God in any way by doing right or being righteous. You're not going to be profitable to God in any way. And that's true, isn't it? Every bit of that's true, okay? You know, I can remember when I was a young man, and I say young man, I was probably a boy, 12 or 13 years old, but certainly on up into my teens and early 20s, I had seen the truth of God's sovereignty, and He is a sovereign God. Make no mistake, He is omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent, and He is everything that you can think of to the nth degree higher than His ways are higher than our ways, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But you know, <clears throat> There were times I got so caught up in the sovereignty of God that I forgot about the mercy of God and the love of God. And, and you know, I, I think it's a particular problem for us who do see God as sovereign in every way, including in sal eternal salvation. If we're not careful, we'll be caught up to the point to where, where we uh, forget about the fact that God loves his people with an everlasting love. So the God that sits high, and he does sit high, the God who reigns uh, with majesty and splendor, he's also the one that wouldn't quench the smoking flax or break a bruised reed. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. 
We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.